Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. So I don't know who made the decision to combine this particular gospel with the secular celebration of Mother's Day. And Jesus today reassures his disciples, I won't leave you orphans. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Mother's Day for our family is a bit tricky. We are a household, after all, with two dads. Ellis's mother died when he was a boy. I am lucky to have a good relationship with my mom, so all of the crafts that Silas makes at school for Mother's Day, they can go to his grandmother, and she's happy to receive them. But you get the hint that we've had to negotiate this day and the idea of the mother. I can't tell you the number of times one of us has been in the store with our kid and someone has said some version of, oh, is mom getting a break? Are you having a boy's day? Or, this one's my favorite, is dad babysitting? And the answer to that is no, and the other question is, in our house, every day is a boy's day. And I know, relatively, we've got it easy. These assumptions don't usually cost us much. Every once in a while, having my parenting question because of my gender is irritating, but mostly it's innocuous and funny. Women for millennia have carried the vast majority of uncompensated labor around kids. And I think that's part of why we make such a big deal out of Mother's Day, right? Because deep down, don't we all know that the bargain we've made around parenting isn't fair? So have a nice brunch, get a massage, enjoy some flowers, you've earned it. (laughs) Frankly, the mothers among us likely deserve much more than a day. I, I share this complicated relationship with Mother's Day because I know that many of us have a complicated relationship with mothering, with moms, with the whole concept. It may be that you're trying to be a super mom and you're feeling the exhaustion. It may be that you don't have an easy relationship with your mother or maybe you miss your mom and maybe you never had a mom. But today I want to lean into this and I want to unpack some of the theology around motherhood. And I do so less on account of that gospel, though I'll get back there, but more in the spirit of St. Paul on Mars Hill. The Areopagus in Athens is where we find Paul this morning. And he's in debate with the philosophers. And this was the space where the great minds of Athenian society came and gathered and talked. And and Paul does something in this passage both brilliant and playful. Paul notices that in Athens there exists a temple to an unknown god. And Paul says, what you worship is unknown. We know. He goes on to describe the God of Adam and Eve, the God of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, of Miriam and Moses, the God of Mary and Jesus. And Paul describes the God of Israel. 
but he does so using the language of the philosophers. I'm not sure as Christians we're always aware of how formed by Greek philosophical tradition our faith is, but all those categories that you may have heard about God growing up in Sunday school or in Catholic school, uh, that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, existing everywhere, these are the categories of Greek philosophy. They don't come from the Bible. The anxieties about the omniness of God, they're Greek philosophical anxieties. But Paul speaks into the middle of them, and he does something brilliant. He takes the philosophical and makes it personal. And doing so, we get one of the great lines of Scripture. Because Paul tells us, in God, we live and move and have our being. It's different in the translation that you've got printed, but when Paul quotes the prayer book, as Episcopalians, we go with the prayer book. I'm joking, of course, it goes the other way. The prayer book quotes Paul. About 80% of our prayer book is Scripture. But that phrase, we live and move and have our being, it's one of the great descriptions of God in all of Scripture. And that is a particularly interesting phrase to read on Mother's Day, isn't it? The God in whom we live and move and have our being is an interesting God to contemplate on the day when we celebrate those who bore us into the world. You may have noticed at Holy Communion, we've been using more and more mothering language for God. One of our Eucharistic prayers talks about creation saying that it, was, it burst forth from the womb. Our blessing for the Easter season comes from St. Clair of Assisi, and it assures us that God loves you as a mother. And the inclusions are intentional because for thousands of years, Christians have been referring to God as Father. As scripture includes these mothering images of God, not as many as fathering images, but more than you might imagine. And the question I want to ask you today then is this, what does it do when we talk about God as a mother? What does it do for us? And surely for some, it's comforting. Hearing God called mother absolutely tells you that you're not in a church like the one in which you grew up. And you can take a breath. But what if it's about more than branding? What if calling God mother asks us to reorient our sense of self, our sense of who we are before God and who God can be for us? If we imagine God having feminine qualities, how might we approach God differently? If we imagine God as a mother, I imagine we might be a little bit less transactional in our spirituality. Christians can pray in a very economic way. Lord, won't you give me a Mercedes Benz? God, I'll do this if you'll just give me. It tends to mirror a lot of folks' relationship with a male parent, the one with whom they had to negotiate their allowance or ask for a loan to help pay for a car? And what if God wasn't the one with whom you had to bargain and instead was the one you simply knew would be there? God might not have an answer in a difficult situation, but God would be there to hold your hand, 
to help you know you're not alone in the face of whatever comes. If we imagine God as a mother, some of us might be able to access a version of God that's less concerned with our career, our title, our position. Some of us. Could we imagine God as a mother who wants to get beneath all of these questions of status and exterior accomplishment, and a God who simply asks us, is it all making you happy? What if we thought of God as concerned more with our well-being than with how our accomplishments reflect on God? You see, if St. Paul can use the language of the philosophers to describe God, then surely we can take some of the best images of motherhood as well. If St. Clair and Dame Julian of Norwich can call God mother, if the Bible talks about God as a mother, surely we have something to benefit from taking on that image. So I'd invite you in your prayers and your thoughts about God, at least this week, see what happens if you imagine God as a mother instead of as a father. And if you've been avoiding intentionally God as a father or you've been avoiding anthropomorphizing God at all, let your imagination play a little bit. See what happens if you let the mother enter your imagination. You might be surprised. Now, inviting you to play in your spiritual practice may be something new. Play like this may be new spiritually. But in Athens, in this reading from Acts There on Mars Hill, Paul is having fun with the idea of God. The wordplay comes through even in translation, even across the centuries. For Paul, describing God is a joyful activity, a playful activity. We can be painfully serious about God in our society. And I'd argue that that tendency toward serious, it leads to our peril If God is only some judgmental, serious, economic God in the sky, will you end up with the kind of legislation we saw pass in Missouri this last week? You end up with a very limited and controlling view of God and humanity. And what is the response to that? What is the response to this patriarchal, angry God? I want to suggest this morning that in part it could be playful, we could look at our neighbors and say, well, that's not the God that I know. The God that I know is not so concerned about a gender binary that God needs us to enforce it here on earth. The God that I know isn't so concerned about adherence to one particular system that God wants us to ignore the advice of doctors and of scientists. The God that I know can be in the play can help us expand beyond our binaries. The God that I know laughs when we try to categorize as humans. The God that I know can be glimpsed in the best of science. The answer, I think, in part, is to be playful. So in that playful spirit, I want to offer just one more observation this Mother's Day and take us back to the gospel. We are in that part of the Easter season that builds toward the conclusion. Jesus is reassuring his followers, I won't leave you orphans, in part because next week he's going to ascend, he's going to leave. It may be a strange line to hear, I won't leave you orphans, on Mother's Day, but notice what Jesus is promising. Jesus wants to expand his followers' vision. 
Jesus promises to send an advocate. Who God is for them will shift. It is okay if in your life who God is for you shifts. This is Jesus talking about the Spirit. The Spirit is the least talked about, least understood member of the Trinity. These days, though, I'm finding the Spirit a particularly helpful. We don't have as much baggage around the Spirit, right? We just don't. One of my favorite professors in seminary used to describe most European art for the Trinity as two dudes and a bird. <laughs> and we just don't have near as much emotional baggage around birds as we do as God the Father, right? We don't have to get stuck there, though. On this Mother's Day, in addition to imagining God as mother, if that's helpful, I wonder if it might help to imagine the spirit like a wild and loving auntie. She's a little unpredictable. She's not tied down like your parent or your big brother. She takes you on adventures and pays for ice cream after school. What if we imagined the spirit as the one to call on when you need to hear it's okay that you're not gonna get married or if you drop out of law school? It will be okay if you don't have kids. Look at me, she says, my life is full of kids. We'll hear more about the Spirit soon. Pentecost is coming. But like Jesus, today I want to assure you, if you are burned out on the image of God as Father, if on Mother's Day even the images of motherhood just don't fit your reality or give you pause, take heart. There's room in the Spirit for all of us. So if you can today, celebrate all of the mothering that brought you here, whether that came from your mom or your stepmom or your queer uncle. Celebrate all the nurturing, undercompensated love that exists. Celebrate the ones who care. But this Mother's Day, no too. God doesn't leave us without people to care for and people who care for us. It may take a little imagination, a little playful work in these disconnecting days. We may need to make a phone call to an auntie, show up for church and decide to help out a parent who is struggling by sitting with them and their kid, telling that parent you're doing a good job. We may need to adopt a neighbor as if they were family, but have faith and be playful. God won't leave any of us orphans. Because in God, there is always more than enough wild love to go around. Amen.